Hello, fellow Rebel Capitalists. Hope you're well. So in the news, Fed Now is officially live. We've been talking about this for quite a few months. Uh, is it a CBDC? Is it something to be concerned with? Is it something that could lead to a CBDC? These are all questions I'm sure that everyone has right now. We're going to go over to the Fed's website and actually watch their video on FedNow, how it works. I'm going to explain to you how the kind of back-end plumbing is um, operating behind the scenes. We're going to go over some of the features, and then I'm going to connect the dots and kind of give you my opinion as to whether or not this is something that you should be concerned with. So let's go right over to the YouTube page. There we go. All right, and let's listen to what the Fed, how the Fed themselves describe this Fed Now service. Now service is an instant payments infrastructure that financial institutions can use to clear and settle payments instantly, either on their own or with the help of service providers. Financial institutions provide their own access interface to their customers, such as a mobile app or online banking portal. The FedNow service operates between financial institutions, ensuring transactions are settled securely and instantly. In this simulation, we'll look at how one financial institution, ABC Bank, is enabling customer access to instant payments. Kevin, an ABC Bank customer and small business owner, wants to send a just-in-time payment to his supplier using ABC Bank's instant payment portal. First, he keys in the amount of the payment, $1,000. Then, he selects which account he would like to have debited for the transaction, for instance, his checking or savings account. Next, he indicates where the payment is going by entering the routing and account number provided by his supplier. This information allows the FedNow service to route the payment message to the correct financial institution and customer account. Financial institutions that participate in the FedNow service determine what additional information end users can provide along with the payment. Kevin sends the payment. Within seconds, ABC Bank sends a notification to Kevin, informing him that the payment was successful. So, so far, it's pretty much just like sending a wire, except you don't have to call the bank. You don't have to wait for it to hit the, you know, three hours for it to hit the account or something like that. It's pretty much enter the, the checking account, the, the, the account number, the routing number, and bam, you're done. It, it settles instantaneously. This step is optional for ABC Bank. What just happened behind the scenes? The FedNow service settled the payment between Kevin's financial institution and the supplier's financial institution in real time. Here's how it worked. As soon as Kevin initiated the payment, his financial institution sent the payment message in ISO 20022 format to the FedNow service, which confirmed the message met specifications. Next, the FedNow service sent the payment message to the supplier's financial institution, which replied by confirming it intended to accept the funds. This reply is meant to reduce misdirected payments. At that point, the FedNow service debited the Federal Reserve Bank master account of Kevin's financial institution and credited the Federal Reserve Bank master account of the supplier's financial institution. The FedNow service then provided a confirmation of settlement to both institutions. Next, the supplier's institution made the funds available to the supplier immediately and chose to notify the supplier that it posted funds to the supplier's bank account. Okay, so if you noticed, if you're listening there, you heard them talk about sending a message from the Senders Financial Institution through FedNow to, uh, they kind of are the intermediary, the Federal Reserve, 
this is just basically their version of Swift. Same thing. Uh, their version of Swift. And right now, this transaction would go through a clearinghouse, probably go through chips. At the end of the day, it still would settle on the Fed's balance sheet, but it would go through a third-party provider. So what's happening is the Federal Reserve is kind of centralizing or consolidating that part of the plumbing. Now, it is true that banks still have the option of going through these third-party providers, uh, such as chips, but it's going to be a lot more expensive. So they have uh, an incentive to go ahead and go through this new, completely centralized settlement path, let's say. So uh, again, how is this different? Well, what would happen now is the sender's financial institution would go through this third party, we'll say chips, they would aggregate all of the transactions, and then they would pretty much net them out at the end of the day. And then whatever the net difference would be, that's the transaction that would happen on the Fed's balance sheet. So you could have literally a billion transactions between JP Morgan and Wells Fargo throughout the day that, that Chips is, is keeping track of on their ledger. But that every one of those billion transactions are not settling on the Fed's balance sheet. So what happened, because that would be, what would be, it would be cumbersome. And as until now, <laughs> they didn't have a way of processing all those payments in real time. So anyway, the, the clearinghouse to go ahead and aggregate all of those billion dollars of or billion transactions. And let's just say that uh, out of the billion transactions, it was pretty much the exact same amount of money that was going to and from Wells Fargo from JP Morgan, right? Or kind of back and forth between the two banks. So let's say at the end of the day, out of all these billions of transactions, there's only $100 that uh, JP Morgan owes Wells Fargo after everything nets out, right? And what would happen is uh, Chips, the clearinghouse, would send that message. I believe that would go through Fedwire. And then Fedwire would go ahead and deduct the account of the bank. Let's say, um, I forgot if it's JP Morgan, Wells Fargo. But whatever bank owes the other bank, the $100, they would deduct that bank's uh, that uh, amount from the bank's account that they had at the Fed. And they would go ahead and credit the account of the bank that was owed. So the only thing the Federal Reserve would see would be a completely generic, anonymous transaction between two banks for a hundred bucks. That's it. The difference now is the Fed is going to see all uh, one billion transactions. And again, you guys understand I'm just using that as a a hypothetical. It could be a thousand, a hundred thousand, I don't know. But the bottom line is where now you'd have this complete third party that was not a part of the government, that was not centralized, they're a private party, private business, they're seeing all billion of the transactions and the users and senders or the suppliers, the receivers and senders, to use their terminology, the people's names, their account balance, you know, what they, the, I don't think it'd be so far as what they're buying, but it would be the transaction between the two entities. That all goes through chips or this third party provider where now all of that data is going to go straight through the Fed, where before they would only see that $100 transaction between J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo. You see, completely generic. There would be no other details involved, where now the Fed is going to have the name of the sender. The Fed is going to have the name of the receiver, and they're going to have all this information that was privy just to the uh, bank's themselves, the institutions, and the third-party provider. You see, we're just kind of centralizing everything. And that's why it's more efficient, because it is true. You have features 
or it's cheaper, it's faster, all these things. Well, how do they make it cheaper and faster? By centralizing it. <laughs> so sure, there are benefits, but at what cost? Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Now, is this a CBDC? Answer, no, it is not. Because in order for this to, to technically be a CBDC or what I would consider a CBDC by my definition, Kevin and the supplier, their account would have to be at the Federal Reserve, not just their bank's account. So their, their ABC bank and XYZ bank, to use this example, they have an account with the Fed. But Kevin and the supplier do not. So it's, this is why I always say that FedNow is kind of the back end plumbing for a CBDC. Why do I say that? Because let's just assume for a moment that Kevin and the supplier did have an account with the Federal Reserve. Then no problem because we've got FedNow set up that is a custom or that is now has the capacity, the capability of processing all 1 billion transactions where prior to FedNow, they didn't have the ability to do that through, let's say, Fedwire. So now that they do, it gives them the ability to go ahead and accept, it gives them the infrastructure, if you will, to accept accounts from non-bank entities, from the average Joe, the average Jane, the, the business down the road, the, the supplier, or, or Kevin for that matter. You see, they've set this system up to where now they can easily handle all billion of those transactions on their balance sheet in real time where before they didn't have the ability to do that. So even let's just assume for a moment, they wanted to set up a CBDC without flyers account. So instead of their account being a liability of ABC bank or bank of XYZ, now their dollars were a liability of the federal reserve. Sure. They could have done that, but how would the fed transfer all these transactions back and forth? The answer is they couldn't, they didn't have the technology. They didn't have the capability of doing that, but now they do with FedNow. So that's, I think, the way to really think about this is it's, it's not a CBDC in and of itself. In order to be a true CBDC, we would have to have your account at Wells Fargo or ABC Bank, Bank of XYZ, go to the Federal Reserve. So your dollars that are assets on your balance sheet would now be a liability directly to the Fed, just like JP Morgan's bank reserves are a liability of the Fed. But does this take us one step closer? Absolutely it does. 
Absolutely, it does. There's no doubt about it. I've seen some people online that uh, you know are trying to explain this in a more, let's say, politically correct way. And they're saying, oh, it's no big deal. It's just Canada already has this. Australia already has this. This isn't a CBDC. Forget all these fear mongers. You know, they're all tinfoil hatters. They're all conspiracy theorists. There's no validity to this whatsoever. If they're saying it's a CBDC, they're wrong. You know, they're just trying to get clickbait or, or whatever. And uh, while it is true, it's not a CBDC, what they're failing to tell you is this is a massive slippery slope. And this gives the central bank the ability. Now, it is true, based on my conversation, that you probably just heard of Lynn Alden. It's got to go through Congress. They've really got to go through a lot of laws to make it actually legal for the Federal Reserve to accept non-bank entity accounts, because right now that's illegal. But assuming they're able to do that in the future, this paves the way for if we do have a big crisis and all of a sudden they can pass that through Congress, now all of a sudden the infrastructure and the back-end plumbing is set up to just take the ball and roll with it or take the ball and run with it, I guess. (laughs) So that's, uh, I think, how you should look at FedNow. And I would not lose sleep over this, but you have to be cognizant of the possibilities. And even, let's just assume for a moment, that Jerome Powell or the people in charge right now have absolutely no plans whatsoever to use FedNow as the back-end plumbing for a CBDC. Let's just say they're completely benign. They're, let's just assume they're, to, they're anti-CBDC. Okay, that's fine. But Jerome Powell isn't going to be there forever. The people that we have in place aren't going to be there forever. So what's going to happen is the people that have an insatiable lust for power and control, they're going to see this consolidated control. They're going to see the opportunity. And event, even if the people that are running it right now are come totally benign, and even if they do have, even if their highest priority is the uh, what's beneficial to the average Joe and Jane, to American citizens, and maybe let's say they do have an extreme concern for privacy and uh, freedom and liberty and all these things that we talk about uh, on this channel, the point is when you centralize this power, sooner or later, someone's going to get in charge of FedNow that's going to use it nefariously and going to use it in order to implement a CBDC because that's what they lust for, that power and control over other human beings. So it's not a CBDC, but it's a damn slippery slope. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. See you in the next video.